This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan the comic book man ladies and gentlemen. Dan the comic book man is here or as here as he can be because of the very real or fake virus that it's out there currently killing Hundreds and thousands of people in this country. The virus, I guess, that is uh, real, depending on your political affiliations, which I guess that's... Can you imagine denying science because of politics? Well, I mean, we live in a world where people are still uh, finding ways to condone shooting unarmed people, keeping kids in cages, uh, pedophilia. Um, oh, yeah. And the works. Right? So, yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of all for that at the moment. I am all out of optimism, friend. I have taken the blue pill. I am Dr. Mm-hmm. Nihilism today. And it what a nihilistic topic to talk about. Uh, Joker, we're going to be tearing into the 80th anniversary, 100-page spectacular, celebrating the Joker's 80 years in comics. And originally... Uh, this was something that was on the docket um, that got moved around DC Fandom, uh, New Mutants with all the all the, you know, adjusting that we've been trying to do to stay topical. Um, so and initially and I think it was said uh, even on air that the reason why I had paused taking on such a book was because the Joker's a bit much and his um, brand of villainy can be a bit polarizing depending on how you feel about the character as a whole oh no 100 percent. because there are definitely a lot of not a lot there's only 10 stories but there's definitely a few stories in here that are very like you know they speak to today like it would be a, it's a very i don't want to speak the word damaging but it's a very like iffy book to want to pick up because of a lot of the subject matter that they are talking about not just showing but talking about yeah, I I enjoyed it, but again, like it's just I uh, I we uh, this is something that uh, an observation I made when we covered the Joker film, um, and it's the idea that and that is reiterated in almost every story here that it's such a long and arduous climb to continue to be sane, to continue to have manners, to continue to do what you think is right for the betterment of everyone else. It's much, much, much easier and a hell of a lot more fun to go down the stairs. And, uh, they, they've shed that light here. This is a, this is a book that, um, has Batman in maybe half of the stories, maybe less. 
uh, they really put the spotlight on Joker and I'm sort of kind of getting it now. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to go ahead and give you guys some background on the Joker character uh, and then we'll get into each and every story written in this book. 10 different stories, 100 pages, um, some incredibly awesome creative teams and uh, at the end of every story we'll give it a rating of out of five vats of acid hopefully doing all that will uh, put us up in any search engine if someone's trying to type in vat of acid so that's good as well but the joker is a supervillain created by bill finger bob kane and jerry robinson who first appeared in the debut issue of the comic book batman uh, a lot of people are like what the hell that that doesn't make any sense because they may be forgetting that batman debuted in detective comics 27 so, uh, it took, I believe, at least two years for Batman to get his own comic book titled Batman. And on that first issue, Joker was the villain. Credit for the Joker's creation is disputed. Kane and Robinson claimed responsibility for the Joker's design while acknowledging Finger's writing contribution. Although the Joker is planned to be killed off during his initial appearance, he was spared by editorial intervention, allowing the character to endure as the art and arch enemy of the superhero batman one of the most iconic characters in pop culture the joker has been listed amongst the greatest comic book villains and fictional characters ever created the character's popularity has seen him appear in a variety of merchandise such as clothing collectible items um, and inspired real world structures such as theme park attractions and is referenced in a number of different parts of media the Joker has been adapted to serve as Batman's adversary in live action, animation, and video game incarnations, including the 1960s Batman television series played by Cesar Romero and in the films by uh, Jack Nicholson in Batman 89, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, and Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. This thing chooses not to say uh, Jerry Leto in The Suicide Squad in 2017. Ledger and Phoenix each earned an Academy Award for their portrayals. Mark Hamill, Troy Baker, and others have provided the character's voice. Joe DiMaggio as well in the uh, Under the Red Hood animated film. The 80-year, 100-page Super Spectacular celebrating the character was slated for an April release to coincide with its debut, with his debut, a full 80-year uh, anniversary. But because of COVID... The very real or very fake, depending on who you pray to, disease, it was pushed to an early June release. So, yeah, they tried to set him up, and that was the situation there. I'm going to go in order, as it is written in the book. Uh, brief synopsis, then I'll give you my reaction. Dan will give you his reaction, and then we'll get we'll read our scores out. Yep, let's do it. I did a lot of homework for this, so it's going to be a while. But well, where are you honestly, guys? Where's anyone? Where's boss, anyone? When going? don't you do homework? Yeah. When don't you do your homework? That you, I think that should be a T-shirt that you make just for you, uh, guys. I honestly did my homework on this one. <laughs> you always do your homework. It's a lot friends. of homework. Watch this. So scars, uh, written by Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder is known <laughs> best uh, for his New Fifty Two Batman run. He started writing Batman with Black Mirror, which is a story that I'd love to cover. How we might even cover it next week. Um, Detective Comics 871. Snyder also penned Death of the Family, Joker's first major storyline in the New 52, introducing the Clown Prince to a new breed of reader. So that's his significance to the Joker in this uh, medium. 
the art is by Scottish artist Jacques. Uh, the pen name of Mark Simpson, I didn't know that he had a pen name, I, but literally on all the comics, it'll just say Jacques. Um, and he's known for his work on Judge Dredd, The Losers, your uh, comic book movie. That you yeah, like. which we're going to cover one day. I really want us to cover one day. And Legends of the Dark Knight. So let's get into Scars. When police officer Gary Dell, who was horrifically disfigured at the hands of the Joker, goes for his routine therapy session, Dr. Reader, his specialist, recalls how silly he felt, being afraid of a rose made of animal skin given to him by his grandparents. He says he was so scared of it that he had to destroy it, but his fear was unreasonable. This does nothing to calm Officer Dell down, who refuses to wear his rehabilitation mask that would help his disfigurement out of fear that the Joker would return to re-injure him once he's healed. This paranoia is coupled by the idea that Joker chose him as some sick joke, choosing to disfigure him because he was vain. Reader, who has treated many Joker victims, explains that most who suffer at the hands of the Joker try to find some meaning in his madness, which in turn causes more madness. He continues by saying Joker does his best to appear as more than a man, but it's just, it's just a card trick. And he shouldn't be seen as this all-knowing, indestructible force of nature lurking under the bed. He says it's, it's his entire act, from the colors he wears to the victim he, he chooses, all of it's an act. But he's seen Joker beaten down and ultimately humbled by Batman, proving that he is just a normal man. This does nothing to convince Dell who walks out of the session promising to pay for the mask after leaving it behind. Reader, whose entire operation is funded by Wayne Enterprises, calls Bruce to let him know that they lost another patient, but in time, together, they will expose the Joker as a fraud. He goes home, showers, and lays in bed, but is horrified to see the animal, the animal skin flower he destroyed as a child on his nightstand. Convinced it's just a trick, he examines the flower, which spurts acid, effectively melting Reader's face to the bone. As he collapses from his injuries, he sees a pair of demonic eyes under his bed, and the issue ends with the pale hand of the Joker reaching out from underneath. So, man, that was this was really what I, I, this is what got me interested. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I um like I reading Snyder. Snyder's Batman is actually what got me into issue to issue comics. So I have a. a you know, uh, love, yeah, soft spot for him. I love for him. And one of the things that he always did was his Joker was always seen as like a otherworldly force. It was his run that, um, had introduced the idea of them being three Jokers at the end of it, or the idea that this was, he was more than a man. Cause he was starting to be seen in pictures in timelines that he didn't exist, like, that you wouldn't think he would exist in. Cause he couldn't live that long. Yeah. Um, and I, if you read, if you read black mirror, the uh, first Batman story that he wrote, it's very much a horror story. So I'm not surprised he went horror with the clown uh, Prince of Crime. And I, I like the analogy that Joker is this monster that's always listening and can be anywhere, anytime. Um, it, it brings a level of fear and pure horror, you know. And and the artwork showing the mutilations of the people that he's done and, and to the point of reader's face literally burning off. Um, this is one of my if not my favorite story in the book so i'm giving it five out of five vats of acid so i want everybody to know that my flame for joker burned out a long time ago i used to love joker i'm not gonna lie i he was my everything he was just everything that i wanted to 
to feel like like the, the the empowerment of not giving a fuck the empowerment of not doing harm and doing damage but standing up for yourself i guess i was i was a young kid and i didn't i didn't see the joker as the guy that threw a baby at a, at a woman and shot them and said merry christmas i didn't see that joker i saw the the dancing down the stairs joaquin phoenix type joker before joaquin phoenix ever existed so really i'm not gonna lie this was the first story that made me remember why i used to love the joker in the first place because he's not even in this first issue he, not he has technically, a yeah he's a face in the hand this is literally like a, a kickoff point of the commentary behind joker yes definitely like, like the way he says like oh he's not he's not a demon he's not this he's not that he's just a, a person he can never hurt you he can't harm you you gotta move on it was so, it was like speaking to the readers that love joker it's like listen you just gotta move on and plus the artwork in this was great the ha ha ha's like tattooed into some people's face the the the, the glasgow smile on the little boy like it was hitting you in the heart. Definitely five out of five. That's an acid for me. I got to double check. Um, let me see. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the relaunch of Detective Comics. I got to double check if Detective Comics number one for DC, I mean for um, New 52, that's the issue that he cuts his face off. I know you've seen... Uh, that thing right where he right. cuts his face up and it's like on the a smiling face on a wall yeah so um i gotta sorry this is taking so long but if i am correct oh that's tony s daniel who we'll, we'll get to in a bit but it was in this new 52 run you know this this uh run that Scott's doing on Batman. Tony Daniel is doing it on uh, Detective Comics. Both comics are running concurrently at the same time. Um, and in that Detective Comics, Joker cuts his face off. So this brings a whole nother level of sadisticness, a whole nother, a whole nother level of horror to the character. And I like this was just Scott flexing that muscle again. Showing us that we should still be scared of Joker, or at least his Joker. You know, we at, at various points you'll see how these writers and artists imagine Joker in the grand scheme of things, and you don't last eighty years without being able to adapt and change and be different versions of yourself. And I think that um, that's what keeps the character around, but doesn't mean necessarily that you have to love all the different facets of Joker. Some people no, like the boogeyman Joker that can't can't ever be hurt, can't ever be killed, uh, is hiding under your bed, can listen to everything, always has the plan, you know, the, the answer and the plan. Um, someone, some like him being more whimsical and doing more like gaggy stuff, like the buzzer and the flower. Some like the gangster, some like the Harley Quinn boyfriend, etc. And I think a lot of those versions show their face uh, in this story or in this book. There are so, there are so many like actually beautiful like moments for the joker like you see like um we'll get there but you see a lot of what you were talking about the mark hamill joker the alan moore joker you know the joker i'm talking about with the hawaiian yeah. shirt and purple hat like there's all these different kinds of jokers in here and honestly reading this 
felt like reading Spider-Man life story without directly being like 80 years of Joker's most famous stories going by the decades. This is just, it's like an anthology tribute. Right. It's like a tribute in a sense. Right. And they're very good at these. Um, We covered on this podcast, the Robin 80, uh, 80th anniversary i think we've covered the detective comics a thousand issues the action comics 1000 issues and they're every every one of them are accessible to new readers but if you have been reading or if you have any affinity for the characters that it's starring there's a bunch of easter eggs for you there's a bunch of like oh yeah i remember that story or yeah i remember that picture that panel and um you can see what panels, what actions, and again, what jokers stand out to these writers and artists because when they got a chance, this is the one they wanted to celebrate. Uh, I was about to say the next story has, doesn't have Joker in it at all, but he has it. he's in the end. Uh, now is What Comes After a Joke, written by James Tinian IV. Tinian was put on Snyder's New 52 Batman to write backup features, i.e. short stories that were connected to the overall narrative of Snyder's story. He would go on to write Batman Eternal during the New 52, which focused on the Bat family, and would eventually write Detective Comics during DC Rebirth for close to 50 issues. Um, the art is by Spanish artist Michael Janin. Janin broke into DC Comics with JLA 80-page Giant. Since then, he has illustrated multiple issues of Justice League Dark, Grayson, and some of Batman's Rebirth issues. Those are that those gentlemen's bona fides for covering this. This is the long-awaited backstory for DC's new It Girl punchline, a.k.a. Alex K., Joker's new right-hand woman. Our story starts with the dean of Snyder College. Snyder College, you see that? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I noticed Snyder College. Um, and so, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Tinian was put on Snyder's New 52 Batman. So I think it's a bit of a, you know, um, gratefulness, <laughs> if there's any. But yeah, the Dean of Snyder College is talking to Alexis in her dorm room about her choice to celebrate the Joker on Dress Like Your Hero Day. He's concerned with her provocative nature, hoping to intervene, but she tells the Dean that she isn't insane. She simply she's, she simply is taking the advice of society who said she can be anything she wanted. It quickly becomes apparent that Alexis has poisoned the Dean with some homemade Joker toxin, and she outright confesses to having tried different batches on the homeless, hoping to perfect it, saying she had a great teacher. As she begins to put on what would eventually be known as her punchline attire, she remarks that the uh, world people like the Dean left behind is slowly dying and has become a joke, effectively making her its punchline. She claims she isn't some creepy fangirl, as it is revealed the Joker is hiding in the closet the entire time. I bet the Joker is in the closet the entire time. Oh, dear. With this poisoning poisoning of the Dean serving as an initiation of sorts to prove Alexis is ready. The two stand over the Dean's body, showing the origin of their parasitic partnership. Uh, I did my reaction first. Would you like to go first so it doesn't seem like I'm copying? (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah man this is a really this was like this this, how do i put this nicely this is like Zack snyder's wildest dream like having someone (laughs) having someone be so loving and stalkerish for him like this chick is crazy and just all right the fact that it's uh where dressed like your hero's day and she comes dressed in a joker tank top 
Right, and I didn't say it in the synopsis, but her, I want to say her roommate, uh, her had family members die at the hands of the Joker. No, I, I think it or was... Or her classmate. Um, and no, so, her oh, okay, the, the, the roommate's brother or the classmate's brother was killed by the hands of the Joker? I'm going to find it right now because I definitely know it was something about... Um, she She disturbed somebody with her outfit because somebody in proximity had been hurt by the Joker. And that's the reason why she was having this talking to. Yeah, her name is like, Saren Quad. She was giving out hugs or something like that. I just wanted to know oh, that. So I, just... No, it was something specific. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Your roommate, Sarah, has a brother living in Gotham. Three of his coworkers were killed in the laughing gas attack last week. So this is what's so great about it is people are not even getting offended because they're directly, you know, it's directly related to them. They're getting offended for other people. So now it's Sarah's brother's friend's co-worker died at the hands of the Joker. So now Sarah has to feel like she's going to gatekeep people's freedom of speech. It's I said, oh, man, why am I getting back into defending the Joker? So th- this was great. This was great writing to me because it was just everything that I that I used to believe about the world. People are just everyone is just so sensitive. No one can just you know mind their own business that you even have someone's roommate's brother's co-worker was killed by the Joker, not even a roommate's brother. Yeah. It's just he had three co-workers that died out of laughing gas. Not even that Sarah lost her brother. Sarah's brother lost co-workers. Right. I, I think that um, another thing that's interesting that I, when I was doing my notes, I found interesting was that Snyder College is like 40 miles north of Gotham, so it's not even in Gotham. So it's real cute to be like, fawning over a murderer when you don't have to live in where the murderer murders you know like oh no that, 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 that is great you're away so yeah how many vats of acid are you giving it i'm all right for sheer execution and origin because this is for me well, and I, I, think, I think it's important to know that a lot of these stories um a lot of these stories focus on joker's effect on other people for instance the first story that we were just talking about was his effect on the gcpd uh that was a cop that was mutilated by the joker and his effect on people trying to cure (laughs) people who've been um traumatized by joker you know anybody that tries to move on he comes back and he makes them remember the second story yeah it was a it was more of a joker's effect on the i think just on the impressionable in general, on the, right? Like on on young, yes, young Perfect. wayward children, not children, young wayward people, um, who can't seem to make sense sense of uh, of things. Yeah, and so like I remember you guys talking about punchline, and you will probably remember it that when I I, I made to... Yogi, I made Yogi. No, I bought in from California. First, I asked Yogi. How big was this punchline thing going to be? And he's like, it might be pretty big. Now, the whole thing is, she debuted in comics literally not too long ago, this very year. I bought both issues. She made her first appearance in, and she's spoken. I have them, and I have them sealed away. Why? Because the last person that Joker stuck his tongue down their throat became somebody who started their own movie. Mm-hmm. So, I'm keeping an eye on punchline uh, in general. I do- anything to do with this punchline i didn't want the fact that joker had another girlfriend again i didn't want any of that i didn't want it i didn't want it and i still kind of don't want it i'm not trying to i'm not trying to like 
put a race on it, but she, it, the way she's drawn, she seems like a, like an Asian woman. I feel like it was very um, distinct that she was Asian in almost every other bit of media but this book. I feel like in this book, she doesn't necessarily, I mean, yeah, get me in trouble. She doesn't necessarily uh, look like an Asian, but yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm not trying to, but I'm just, I'm oh, just yeah. saying like, all I see is that she's just, it's just like this Asian Gothic hipster type, uh, archetype that Hollywood, not Hollywood, but you know what I mean? Like media seems to think that's what all Asian women are. They're just multicolor hair and, you know, uh, I mean, skirts. is she supposed to be Joker's geisha girl or something? I'm, I'm pretty sure that Joker has a geisha girl. Wow. So what's the score? Hmm. Five My out scores, of five. Out of five, three and a half. That's oh, what'd you give the last one? Oh, I gave it with you. Five out of five. That's okay, five out of five. And which one this one got? This one gets three, this one gets three out of five for me. Just okay. because I don't want another Joker relationship. All Other right. than that, um, if this was like a dude that just wanted to be best friends with Joker and Joker was really like craving an actual like his own. Uh, what's that word I'm looking for? The boy wonder. If, he, if Joker like wanted his, like his own, own Robin, Joker wonder. His own. Uh, yeah, yeah, Joker psychic. wanted his own male robin sidekick i'd be down for it not that i'm saying anything with the with you know with the ladies i'm just saying you you ladies have to understand i don't like abusive relationship joker it's not my cup of tea right and this just seems like it's teeing up for that or maybe the reverse of that just to be uh subversive she's gonna be if they want to reverse and she abuses him i will i will literally (laughs) purchase her books if we get a reverse of it but i really don't want to have to read another batman story where it's uh, Batman going after Joker and Punchline, and then you see panels of him like back smacking her. It's like, come on, man, we're in 2020. Like, we, DC barely has enough diversity as it is. I sort of, um, I sort of spoiled. If you were in the chat, I sort of spoiled what my reaction to the story was. But I'll tell all these fine listeners uh, that are here. So you know this from me. We've been friends almost half a decade at this point. And there's almost nothing that gets me angrier than society made me this way. Oh my God! Does I knew it? I knew I know you, so I know that that, that that's a cop out to you. That's a, that that pisses you off. So like, the society made me this way. Stick is a bit on the nose, especially when it comes to like the Joker character. But now it's like somebody else is doing it, and in my opinion, it kind of makes Punchline seem like an edge lord. Like someone who's just trying to troll, who's just trying to get people's goat by being like, oh, look, I- I'm provocative. Look, I'm That's wearing the big- shirt of a murderer. This was a Zack Snyder wet dream because she was just literally being an edgelord. It's like she was walking into, you know, a, a, an all Marvel comic conference and she's wearing the hashtag Snyder Cut shirt. Or like, right, and she right. goes specifically up to Whedon to talk to him. Like she's, she's very edgelord. Punchline seems so edgelordy. And I think that's, my specific problem with the way um, the people that create content nowadays see our generation, us millennials, we're impulsive and fickle and we, we color our hair and we're edgy and edgelordy. Yeah, there's a lot of like you, you adults left us this rotten world. And now wh- what do you think we're going to do because of it? We're just going to rebel. And rock. I'm like, OK. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is. As far as the Edgelord conversation goes, Edgelords in general have sort of kind of taken Joker in as their patron saint. So maybe they're just leaning into all of that. But it 
that you know that's a no from me dog basically so like maybe this is a commentary on that and punchline is cor- currently being portrayed in comics in general as equal to joker which is the as a departure from the harley quinn of it all or that codependency that we're used to seeing so here's hoping that this character takes us places that harley doesn't because if she doesn't what the hell is the point so uh, because it's Joker and Punchline at the end of this story, I'm giving each their own vat of acid. I'm giving this two out of five vats of acid. Ah, uh, so they each get a half of a... Of a, a no, they each get a full one. They each get a full one. They can jump in together. Oh, you're giving a half a vat of acid. No, no, no. I'm giving them two vats. Two out of five. Two out of five. Okay. Two out of five. Um, nice. I don't think I gave anything a one. Uh, but yeah. I- did you, give, no one did you give one? Oh, there is one one story in here that I don't like, but we'll get there. Uh, is it the dove? The, the, no, I actually like that one. Okay. So, okay, let's get on to number three. Let's not spoil it for those at home. Let's get into Kill the Batman, written by Gary Whitta and Greg Miller. So, uh, part of the interesting part of doing this, uh, doing the homework for this, is I learned a lot of interesting things. For instance... Um, Greg Miller is the host of the Rooster Teeth affiliated YouTube channel, Kinda Funny. Really? Yes. I know Kinda Funny. No way. Yeah. And Gary Whitta is a screenwriter who co-developed Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That I that I think I knew because his name sounds familiar. But that last one, man. That, so that it's like, but, but these aren't people necessarily known for comics is what I'm trying to say. They were called in oh. to, to, to do this story. They were brought in to do this story. I mean, a Miller is a comics fan. Uh, he's kind of new to writing for the medium. But Witta, um, the screenwriter for Rogue One, currently writes the Image comic series Oliver alongside artist Derek Robertson. So two writers on this and not necessarily comic writers. I think that's something interesting. Um, the art is by Costa Rican artist Dan Mora. Since 2017, Dan has been a regular cover artist for boom comics and graphic novels having done comics uh covers for the wwe set of comics the mighty Morphin power rangers books and in 2019 dan mora became the artist for the new buffy the vampire slayer comic book so really I thought, yeah i thought that was kind of cool um he's also provided cover illustrations for several comic book series by marvel including daredevil and, and spirits of vengeance and dc comics batgirl the flash and adventures of the super sons Oh. So, yeah, these guys, they, they they brought in some heavy hitters. So, our story starts in the Batcave as ace reporter Lois Lane informs us that Batman has been dead for three days. Killed at the hands of the Joker. Oh, huh? yeah. Yeah, killed at the hands of the Joker. And his identity has been revealed as Bruce Wayne. With Bruce gone, characters like Alfred, James Gordon, and Superman are asked their thoughts on Batman's demise. And they speak lovingly about their fallen friend. After Bruce is buried, Gotham holds a public memorial for Batman in which there are many guest speakers such as Harvey Dent, Mr. Freeze, and Wonder Woman. But it's quickly revealed that amidst this group of Gothamites hides the Joker who has strapped himself with dynamite hoping to kill as many innocent spectators as he can. As people choose to remember Batman, they begin to smile, which offends the Joker who realizes that since Batman is gone, his life kind of doesn't have any meaning. The next realization is almost instant. Without Batman around, he's lost the only audience he cares about. 
Suddenly, Joker feels regret for killing his most respected enemy, thus ending their long-standing rivalry and ridding himself of any joy. Convinced that terrorizing the GCPD or Superman would be a lost cause, uh, he thinks quietly to himself about what he can do to inflict the most torture and torment on as many people as possible. <laughs> the story ends with Joker finding that purpose as an employee for the Gotham Motor Vehicles Department. Bro, bro, that was a, that was a good that was a good ending. I really really like that ending. This is one half of my favorite story from this book. There's two of my favorite stories from this book. It's this one, and I think. Hold on, let me see the name of it. Um, not the the last smile. The last. This smile. and the last smile are so. I guess this would be number three. So yeah, story three and story six are hands down my favorites. Your favorites. When you turn the page on this and you see him with his Joker smile saying, sorry, go to line B or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You need, to fill out, you need to fill out another form. Bro, go on another line. Head, each of these stories, I, I feel like some of them, this is like the last chapter. This is, this is where you go for the rest of the life. It's the first day of the rest of that person's life. Right. This is the first day of the rest of this Joker's life. He's not going to be the Joker anymore. He's going to be, I guess, if you want to go Jack Napier, DMV associate. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this is one of the very few, if not the only story that is told from his POV. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's, I think that's interesting as well. Um, so I'll give you my reaction first. The story is simple and uh, it's a very familiar tale, in my opinion, of what were to happen to the Joker if he ever did kill Batman. Um, this, yeah, because, so go ahead, brother. Many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the lack of audience is a popular reason given for Joker's refusal to kill the Cape Crusader in various mediums. Uh, and it's been explored in things like the Batman the Animated Series episode, The Man Who Killed Batman, which is one of my favorite episodes of the Animated Series, where um, someone kills Batman and he has to give a eulogy for it. And he's disgusted that the person who killed Batman is not even like, can't even, I think he says can't even lick his spats or something like that. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a weird touching eulogy that Joker gives Batman, even though Batman's not dead. Um, and you start to realize how much of this cat and mouse game he actually well, enjoys. Remember Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns? Yes. Where he's that, comatose? Batman, Batman was retired for what, 20 years? Something like that, yeah. My man was in a, my man was in a coma, a self-induced coma for 20 odd years because no more Batman, no more point. This has been something we've been touching on since the 80s. Yeah. And The Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger says, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? You're too much fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, no. You complete me. Um, so I I dig it. Um, and the, GM, the GMV being a place where Joker can torment and torture people was a very funny touch. Like, that was very, like, because the, the idea that he's in this memorial for Batman, he's going to do a suicide bombing is extremely dark yeah so no, that, that was it so the fact suicide. that they can turn it around uh and make it kind of funny at the end i i liked it it's not my favorite but i'd like i think i think if he if the story would have ended with him just walking away i would have liked it a lot less because i'm like i know that i know that part of joker that he doesn't want to end this and and end any of this i think that um the real charm of this story comes with the turn of him realizing his other purpose in life. No, you 
right because it's like the writers knew to like that this book was going to be dark no matter what the writers knew that somewhere along the way you need at least one funny story yeah at least one story that's not going to make you feel like shit sure batman is dead in that universe but it's not like I had to actually sit through seeing mutilated children and people. We're also in our third story and no Batman. Holy crap. Like who would have thought we would have gone this far uh, without without Bruce? I'm going to give this three out of five vats. Well, what did you think of this story and what's your score for this? Oh, man, I'm I'm. I don't care what anybody says. This is five out of five bats. That's five out of five bats? This is perfection because you know what? Yeah, it took the conversation that we've been having forever. What would Joker do without Batman? But it finally gave us Joker's perspective of that conversation. Not just the writers writing in narrations and word bubbles. Or trying to guess and stuff. Yeah, yeah, or, or making the reader have to put those pieces together. This was literally the Joker saying, damn what do i do now what's my yeah. like it was literally the joker having an existential crisis <laughs> right. and within that existential crisis he gets a normal nine to five that he enjoys because he knows it tortures people even in the most mundane way right five out of five vats of acid for me my guy i'm <laughs> sorry i'm sorry hey this, I, this I, is don't, my favorite story. I think and but i think that's one of the best parts of the joker is that just like every just like the most successful comic book characters their evolution and different variations allow for different people to like different aspects of the character um and i i guess i guess this story is my main criticism of the joker for anyone who tries to make him cool right you remember Uh, i told you this i said no, the Joker without cool. Batman with is is nothing. He he literally needs an audience because he's an edge lord. <laughs> yeah, and now that he's now he's working at the GMV, he got all the people that he needs. Um, let's get into introducing the Dove Corps. Okay, this this book pissed me off. How I don't know why this story pissed me off, but I can't help but not love it. <laughs> Let me give you some backstory because I think this. Uh, bit it's a bit interesting. So it was written by the recently deceased Denny O'Neill. This must have been, you know, before the man passed. Uh, right, he, Denny O'Neill passed away. Yeah, and so in um in 1973, after a four year disappearance, the Joker was revived and revised by writer Denny O'Neill and artist Neil Adams, beginning in Batman. 251, the Joker's five-way revenge, the character returns to his roots as an impulsive homicidal maniac who matches wits with Batman. This story began a trend in which the Joker was used sparingly as a central character. O'Neill said that his idea was to simply take it back to where it started. I went to the DC library and read some of the early stories. I tried to get a sense of what Kane and Finger were after. O'Neill's 1973 run introduced the idea of Joker being legally insane for the first time and uh, explains why the character is sent to Arkham Asylum. And uh, that was also introduced by O'Neill in 1974 as Arkham Hospital instead of a prison. So before then, everyone was going to the prison uh, that Batman caught. O'Neill got them to go to the hospital, which eventually turned into Arkham Asylum. Uh, Adams modified the Joker's appearance, changing his more average features by extending his jaw and making him taller and leaner. 
the 1970s would also introduce the first villain-led comic book with the first issue of The Joker written by Denny O'Neill. So you want to talk about somebody who knows what, you know, what he likes of the character. This guy is the one who brought it back from obscurity and really, you know, the the 1974 or the 1970s run of Batman comics with Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams is the one people know uh, for the blue Batman, for the most part, the blue Batman with the really pointy ears. And it changed so much. It laid a bunch of groundwork. O'Neill created Ra's al Ghul. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like really? mythos. Yeah. This guy bought a lot of mythos to the character. Um, so the art is yeah, by, that's like Bill Finger mythos right there. Right. You could like the, 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 those who created the character, um, definitely, uh, created some lore around it but it is up to other writers and other artists to take it into a different direction and add different layers and that's definitely what denny did so the art is by jose luis garcia lopez that's his name lopez is a spanish argentine comic artist who works in the united states particularly in a long-running relationship with dc comics in addition to his storytelling art he has been responsible for producing the official reference art for characters in the DC comic style guide as used in licensed merchandise. Isn't that incredibly <laughs> like you draw the characters for the style guide that they use to make merchandise. Your That's, your designs, You're making merchandise basically. Yeah, your you're designing designs, yes. merchandise. Crazy. So he was originally an artist for the defunct Charles Charlton comics, which if you can remember mm. is the ones that gave us Watchmen. I remember that. Yep, or the ones that gave us Blue Beetle question, etc. Um, Lopez would go on to draw most of the Joker solo, ser- solo series from the 1970s as well as a bunch of Batman content spanning five decades. So let's get into introducing the Dove Corps. During a routine bank robbery, Joker sees a newspaper and learns that the UN has created a new nonviolent military force called the Dove Corps, who are set to be deployed in Guatemala to rescue hostages. Claiming to need a change from Gotham, Joker enlists in the Dove Corps and accompanies them on their mission where he is repeatedly told they do not kill. He shows them a new non-lethal weapon that he has created calling the, called it the Itchmaster, which shoots a massive burst of itching powder at the victim. He uses this to assess, I mean, to assist the Corps and they successfully free the hostages. When giving his honorary Dove Corps coin, Joker is officially welcomed into the Corps he violently rejects the offer, instead massacring the peacekeeping core where they stand. I think that was it. <laughs> I think it was uh, that it was, was a pretty, that yeah, it was pretty cut and dry. It was just Joker found crime pointless, wanted to try to do good, got bored, and then killed everybody. <laughs> you're you're up you're up first though. What do you what do you think of this of this thing here? I thought it was pointless to be honest with you, but. <laughs> I really thought it was just it, it was like it, it felt like a commercial. It felt like a filler episode. It was it was a pointless story because yeah. it's like you knew where it was gonna go the second it went there, and you're just waiting for the ball to drop. You're I'm literally just reading reading panel after panel, flipping the page. I'm just like, okay, when is he gonna kill them? When is he gonna kill them? Bam, he kills them. Oh, okay. Yeah. The only thing I like is Joker in, co- in the Costa Rican outfit or Argentinian outfit, whatever. Right. I don't know if that's supposed to be like. Oh, that's the camera he used in, um, you know. Killing Joke? Yes. 
Like, I, was that was was I supposed to think that? Like, was that the I think thing there? I think that's what I'm trying to say. This felt like a lot of it felt like the Spider-Man life story where it was just like every famous Joker that you can think of or every used version of Joker you can think of. How many vats? Because this guy was definitely in killing this. He was definitely in his killing joke outfit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many vats are you going to give it? Uh, I'm going to have to give this the first. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be really mean if I say one out of five vats. Yeah. But since I do like the killing joke outfit, I'll give it 1.5 out of five vats. 1.5 out of five vats. My man's breaking vats in half for your man, Danny <laughs> O'Neill. Rest in peace. Uh, so, so mine is like mine is short, short and sweet. I think O'Neill hints at both the Killing Joke at, uh, with the Joker's vacation outfit that you were talking about, and the camera that he takes from one of the core members, and he also hints to death in the family, where Joker was the ambassador of Iran, uh, because they're like, "Don't you know people at the UN?" And he's like, "I do know people at the UN," and then and, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, being the first writer to make him criminally insane. I think that Denny shows both the comedic and sadistic sides of the coin that is the Joker. And the story serves as a reminder that he's truly irredeemable. Like, he doesn't really care about ever changing or, or ever doing any of that. Um, I'm keeping Punchline as my lowest rated story. So, this is getting three vats out of five for me. Um, I, I, uh, didn't go, I didn't go as low as one yet. Uh, two is Punchline at the moment. And then I'm giving this three. Are you ready for the war within? Yes, let's do the war within. Man, this this story and the last story are, in my opinion, real mind fucks. Um, oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So let me tell you about the writer, Peter J. Peter J. Tomasi. So he started as an editor at DC Comics in nineteen ninety three, and he worked on such titles as Green Lantern and the Batman titles, Aquaman, J. J. S. A. Hawkman, etc. And he was an occasionally, uh, you know, a writer on other things like Steel and The Outsiders. Ten years later, DC promotes him to senior editor. But four years later after that, he leaves his role as editor and says, I'm just going to write. I just want to write. And he becomes a writer. Um, being a huge Damian Wayne fan, I know Tomasi's work best from his run on Batman and Robin and the Super Sons, which he took on Batman and Robin after um, Grant Morrison, who introduced Damian Wayne as the Robin to Dick Grayson's Batman at the time. Um, and then Super Sons, which is all the great feelings in the world. <laughs> it's it's Jonathan Kent and uh, Damian Wayne getting into all kinds of, uh, you know, harebrained schemes and stuff. The artist by Italian artist Simone Bianchi? In mid-2004, Bianchi lived in New York City and met artist Mike Baer, whose work Bianchi admired. Baer introduced Bianchi to DC Comics editor Peter Tomasi, the writer of the story. After a few proposals, Tomasi gave Bianchi Grant Morrison's script for Seven Soldiers Shining Night, which became Bianchi's first American work. It was published in 2005. Bianchi would go on to provide cover work for DC's Batman series in 2006 and various issues of Detective Comics spanning close to two years. I think this might be the shortest uh, synopsis I have. Um, in a story I don't believe is meant to be taken literally, 
and maybe I'm that maybe that's where I got off wrong, got off on the wrong stop. Uh, we see Batman trying desperately to stop Joker, who has stolen a whale and poisoned it, and is using its poison to uh, infect the citizens of Gotham. What starts as a typical Batman mission devolves into a montage of sorts as we see the various incarnations of Joker throughout time, spotlighting specific versions like Jack Nicholson's and Heath Ledger's Joker, various animated and video game versions like Arkham Joker, and comic book versions of the Joker like the Dark Knight Returns one with the white suit or Snyder's Death in the Family with the ripped off face. Another... This is also another joke, another um, killing joke Joker that we see. Okay. Oh, yeah, at the end. And he says, here's to crime, which is the line he says when he shoots Barbara Gordon afterwards. Um, Yeah, like... Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. The mission ends with Batman being shot and Joker standing over him wearing his tattered suit. Uh, So far, hands down, the most surreal story slash version of the Joker in this book. Like, he is a spirit, right? Like, he's like just this dark energy of malice and depravity and he can take on any horrific form that suits the narrative and i think that's why they showcased all those different versions of joker they even showed the one my most hated version uh the one from the batman with the dreads and the gloves oh yeah he's in there as well i I was like oh wow huh and there's one that i think is supposed to be jared leto's joker because he has a tattoo on his forehead but the hair doesn't really match but i'm almost certain that that's what that's supposed to be um so i think the entire story is a metaphor but again i could be getting all this wrong this was my interpretation no i think Um, you're right on that i think it's meant to show that as batman grows and evolves over time so does the joker to match him and make you know making uh making him like a ever-shifting vision of horror for batman and gotham because he continues to focus on the changes that Batman makes and imp- and tries to improve and just kind of shits all over it with his with his plans and his depravity. The the better Batman gets and the more um the more Batman feels, it's almost like the less Joker feels and the less <laughs> sympathetic uh Joker becomes over time. I'm going to give the war within. What did I write that thing at? I'm going to give The War Within 4 out of 5. Only because I really like the art in it. And that last that last image is kind of striking. Seeing the Joker in the ripped up Batman costume. Yeah. Seeing the Joker in the ripped up Batman costume, I thought it was pretty metal. Um, what do you think about this story? I'm definitely going to have to give this 4 out of 5 vets. That the artwork was amazing. The artwork really was amazing. And I like how... It took me a while to realize that he's inside of a whale, or is he inside of a whale? Isn't this a fun? Yeah, house? yeah, like, yeah. Because no, the he stole a whale from the um from the children's zoo and he filled it full of Joker toxin. But that's what I'm saying. Once he goes in the whale, so much changes about the scenery, about the Joker, that it makes me believe that this is all like in the Joker's mind. Like this is just this is one scheme in a million schemes. That kind of goes the way they all kind of go, you know? But in his mind, he's always getting better because he's always fighting a Batman at his best. And so long as he gets to still injure or hurt or, you know, uh, he sees all that as little wins, right? Oh, no, definitely. Because there's a, there's a page here where it's literally like five five different versions of Joker all around Batman. You got the Mark Hamill, the Arkham game, the Leto Joker, the, the, the Ledger Joker. 
and they're just all like morphing around him as if they're attacking him. So it's it. This whole story probably is one big metaphor for Joker's reasoning for why he does what he does or continues. Yeah, to do it, what it's he almost does. like he wants to stay sharp. He wants to stay on top of it. He wants to stay fit uh, to take on Batman, and he almost sees it as his responsibility. Um, and just yeah, just him there with like the Medusa hair. Kind of like snakes instead of actual follicles. I thought it was just like a haunting image. And then I think he puts a batarang in his mouth or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. All right. Are you ready for uh, The Last Smile? Oh, this is my favorite story. So I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it's your favorite story. (laughs) Do you mind? I love it. Do it. It's your favorite story because it's written by Paul Dini. Well, that's one. And Dini is most famous for his work on various animated shows like Superman, Tiny Toons, Freakazoid, but most importantly, Batman the Animated Series, where he not only introduced the world to Harley Quinn, but used her introduction to add layers to the Joker. And he's also written almost every one of my favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series, including Mad Love, Heart of Ice, Baby Doll, and, as previously mentioned, The Man Who Killed Batman. This guy gets it. and He gets it. And, you know, not for nothing, it took me a while to see Batman 89. Mark Hamill's Joker was my first Joker. Uh, See, my first Joker was Jack Nicholson. I don't know why it took me so long to see Batman 89. I saw Batman Returns 800 million times when I was a a kid. Batman 89 never, never, yeah. On VHS, no less. I remember Uh he gave me 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 his copy. He's like, I want you to watch this. I want you to, one year. And have and to watch it. When he gave me that VHS, it was a black slip cover with the yellow background and the black bat. Oh man, when I tell you I watched that movie on repeat, that's where I fell in love with the Joker. That's how I fell in love with the Joker. It was Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson made me fall in love with the Joker. And then it was yeah. Mark Hamill, then Ledger. Yeah, I I, this story, oh, I I think this story that, was And like, it is I, it looks like the animated series um Joker. <laughs> Uh, he even the suit that he wears is the animated series version of Joker, so I, I I loved it. Like I said, go back and watch any of the Paul Dini episodes of Batman the Animated Series. They are the most I don't want to say adult mature matures would be the word. I don't know about adult, but very mature, very grounded, very emotional. I mean, Heart of Ice is li- literally redefined. Mr. Freeze, we say it here every week, <laughs> every week that we can. He made the story that became the story in, uh, you know, Batman and Robin and moving forward. Every time you see that whole Nora and all that madness, that is Paul Dini. And Harley Quinn, the, 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 he created a monster almost, right? Like this, this, uh, character has taken off in all kinds of directions and was introduced, not in comics, but, by Paul Dini in um, the animated series. So, the art is by Canadian artist Riley Rosmo. Rosmo made his DC Comics debut about five years ago, providing art for the Constantine book in 2015. He also provided art for several Batman issues and is the sole artist on Batman vs. The Shadow. What's most interesting is he did the artwork for the Batman Who Laughs one-shot that came out of Dark Knight's Metal. So seeing as he illustrated the version of Bruce that becomes the Joker, he's kind of perfect for this book, you know? Let's get into this story. Joker 
Joker wakes up in a cold sweat, having just experienced a familiar and repeated nightmare. He explains his frustrations about this nightmare to Harley, who's in bed beside him. In the dream, Joker is in Blackgate prison, only this time his insanity plea is rejected and he is sentenced to death by electric chair. To Joker, this is a sentence fit for a king, especially the king of crime, and he makes sure to wear his Batman the Animated Suit for just such an occasion. Although he's a dead man walking, Joker struts his way to the chair, insulting and taunting everyone he walks past. Before he can be seated, he observes the group of onlookers, families of the victims he's killed, and taunts them as well as nearly inciting a riot. He's placed in the electric chair and hooked up to the device, not even breaking a sweat, when a demonic Batman emerges from the shadows and enters. Joker asks what he what he's there what he's there for, and the bat's face contorts into a sadistic smile, and he laughs as the switch is flipped and he is electrocuted to death. Back in the real world, Harley and Ivy meet at a bar, and Quinn explains uh, the dream to her friend. While Har- while Ivy rationalizes that Harley's awareness of these dreams is why she sticks with the Joker, figuring that since she's seen his greatest fears, she ultimately has seen his heart, Harley corrects her and says her awareness of these dreams is why she finally left the Joker because she was never in them. I not a surprise, but I love this that, story. That's where I, <laughs> I fell. That's literally where I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm down for this. Yeah, because one minute it was, it's like a, it was like a film transition to me. One minute it's Joker waking up telling Harley about a, a dream he had. Next thing you know, it's Harley at a bar with Ivy, telling her, telling her, she left him because of that dream. Yeah. When she noticed she was never in it. It, yeah. it was just Batman. It was. It was such a great like. Didn't they do and, something similar? Didn't they do a similar narrative in White Knight, where uh, Harley's like, "You, it's always going to be you two going at it." I had no, to yeah, that's, you that's, to... Why, that's why Harley left him and went actually normal again, and she became Harlan. And, and, stuff. Me- and remember, White Knight was supposed to be a continuation of the Batman the Animated Series universe. That's that is crazy, and and it was Harley that was the one that did that set all those plans and motions yep. anyway. Yep. Because I and, remember when that ball dropped, I'm like, yo, right. And Deanie was the first man to write Harley and Ivy together. Oh damn! He he wrote. There's literally an episode called Harley and Ivy where they meet and become friends, and it becomes a whole like you need to leave that man kind of stuff that led all the way to Harley Quinn 2020 and them kissing, same sex characters kissing uh comic characters that's not a a a thing that happens often especially not ones that are heavily marketed and have a bunch of um you know merchandise but yeah man like i was in the bag for this he's calling back to um harley and ivy he's calling back to mad love Dini has always shown that the Joker cares more for Batman than he does for Harley, and he's using this story to illustrate that. And I also like that he made Harley leave Joker in this story, you know, because he's kind of freeing his own creation in that moment. Like, that that's the last little P.S. P.S., and then she left him, you know? And I think that's kind of cool. If you created the character, you can do whatever the hell you want. So, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm super-duper down with that, which is why I'm giving The Last Smile four out of five vats. Oh, it's five out of five for me. Why so? 
because it was great from from this was I this was a Harley's point of view. Yes. The way I the way I interpreted well, that at the end, right? So, yeah, but that's what I'm saying is who's to say that that her recanting that that story of the night he woke up and the, the whole dream thing, she wasn't starting it as talking to Ivy because she did say, and that's why I left him because. So I'm looking at it as her like finally putting her psych psychology degree to work and yeah. realizing she needs to leave Joker because she'll always be in competition with the guy that beats him up. <laughs> right. And we already showed how much Batman means to Joker. Uh, in the sense of like yeah. what, what his purpose and all that kind of stuff. So I think that, yeah, you connect all those dots. And I'm just happy that she got out. <laughs> she got out from underneath him. And you're giving that five out of five, right? All yep, the bats. five out of five bats. Ace Chemicals is running out, but we still got a couple more stories to go. I think, did we split this in half yet? Oh, no, there's only three stories left. Yeah, we, we've been, uh, this one, Last Smile. Uh, I think this was called La- no, Last No, this, smile. we got, we're up to Birthday Bugs. This, that's the seventh story, yeah. Yes, Birthday Bugs. Oh, God, what a great story. <laughs> so, Birthday Bugs is written by Tom Taylor. Tom is known best for writing the Injustice series of comics. Uh... Almost all. I think all of them, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's also done Deceased and Justice League versus Power Rangers. Um, the art is by Argentine artist Eduardo Riso. Riso is best known for his work in the Vertigo comic series 100 Bullets, but has been in the industry for over 30 years and has provided art for Batman comics, as well as just recently doing some art for the Death Metal series that's currently going on. He also did the artwork for Paul Dini's graphic novel, Dark Knight, a true Batman story. So, in Birthday Bugs, a small child sits on a stoop in Gotham with a red balloon. He's pulling the wings off a bug, uh, off bugs, and placing them in a box. Suddenly, the Joker appears, and the boy, whose name is Sergio, mistakes him for a birthday clown his father got him. Once Joker confirms his father's name, he goes along with the party clown shtick and questions Sergio about his bug mutilation. Sergio says he only kills the bugs that try to escape the box, but usually leaves the mutilated bugs alive so he can continue to quote-unquote play with them. Joker asks when the party starts and the kid sadly says, says it's already started and that no one's coming because people in the neighborhood think he's weird. This infuriates Joker, who promises to make it right, and does so by visiting all of Sergio's neighbors and inviting them to the party under threat of death. When Sergio's dad arrives, the party is well underway, and he's shocked to see the Joker with his son. Joker speaks to the dad alone, accosting him for no showing a job. Instead of killing him, though, Joker takes Sergio's advice and cuts uh, and chooses to cut his fingers off. With a promise to be back next year, Joker is gifted the torture bugs by Sergio, and Joker is touched. While looking dead into the eyes of Sergio's father, Joker promises to only kill the bugs who try to get away. What'd you think about this, friend? Oh, man, was this such a... This is such a damaging story. (laughs) Man, I don't think little kids should be... That kid's a serial killer. (laughs) <laughs> that kid's a serial killer. Yeah. They say that all serial, the, a, a big clear sign of uh, early onset, you know, um, tendencies to be a, a psychopathic killer is harming animals. Yeah, because you don't, you, don't see, you don't see any pain behind it. So you just do it. 
Yeah, and this kid's literally ripping the legs off of beetles and keeping them. Like, he's not even ripping all their legs. He's ripping, ripping like, one leg off and letting it live legless. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yo, my God, Joker going around and getting this kid uh, guests. Did he was... say he would eat somebody's dog? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. He said he's going to cook and eat their pets. <laughs> and, you see, and you see a little cat. He's, like, going to like playgrounds and, like, pointing... Over the head with an apple. Like, it was yeah, crazy. he's pointing guns at people in playgrounds, and he's making them... Uh, he goes up to a little kid. Yeah, he went up to a little kid in a playground. And said, "I want you to ra- go home and wrap up your most prized toy." Like, yeah. what? what if I own a PlayStation One? No, all like, for Sergio, all for Sergio. Oh, how many? How many vats you giving this one, brother? I'm gonna give it definitely five out of five vats. That's a, that's that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I really, 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 really like this version of Joker, uh, who exhibits emotion one minute, like sympathy, and then threatens your life the next. Well, I this you know what the, it was. I think it was down to the artist. Oh, who was the artist on this one? Do you know who the yeah like, the artist is? Uh, say it again. Do you know what the artist on on uh, birthday hugs or bugs, bugs? has done? Um, I mean, the only thing that you... He's done some art for some Batman comics in general, and he's doing some art for Death Metal right now. Okay. This reminded... Remember that one uh, Batman story we were covering when it was in the the POV of somebody that wanted to be one of Joker's, like, right-hand men? Oh, yeah. Close with him the entire book, and then at the end of the book, he used him for bait on the bridge? Right, yes. That's That's gotta be this art. Yeah. With the whole, like... The, the blue saturated background and the hair, like it's like colored outside the lines, and his lipstick looks actually smeared instead of being like blood or painted. Like I'm just reading this. I was reading this whole story. I'm like, yo, this reminds me of when we were reading a lot of Elseworld Batman stories. I it's just so I like the Joker when he's creepy, which is probably why I gave um, Snyder's story five out of five vats, and like. I really can't shake him openly threatening the father <laughs> in front of the son, but the son doesn't understand what you know where it's coming from. Like all that stuff about oh no, I'll just kill you know. Hopefully, none of them try to get away because then I'll have to kill them. You know the the guy is stuck. The father's stuck. It's crazy. I feel yeah, and he comes home. And his whole plan was to kill him. He yeah. didn't um, imagine running into this dude's son and then gathering guests for a birthday party. He well, literally yeah, he was him. going there to kill him for not for no showing the 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 gig or whatever they had, and yeah. um, chooses not to because of wisdom imparted to him by his own son. Yeah, he <laughs> called him. A, he called him a four foot tall guru. And if he would have killed the father, it would have been messed up, but it would have been a release. By keeping him alive, just like the bugs, he continues to be able to play with them. And that's just, there's something really wrong about that. And, and the, the whole fucked up part about it is, he only cut off the pinky, the ring, and the in, no, the pinky, the ring, and the point in the middle. He from his, from his non-dominant hand. So left hand. So yeah. of his left hand, he only has left the thumb and the pointer, which really is the only two fingers you actually need. Yeah, I mean, he's a, the guy's a trigger man, so that's all, that's all he needs them for. Um, but it's like, I like 
it's weird because he like finds a kindred spirit in Sergio. Maybe he sees a little bit of himself in Sergio, and that's the reason why he, you know, defends him, defends, uh, or you know, tries to create this party for him. And he also shows the father how close he can come to his loved ones. Like, imagine yeah, coming home to that. <laughs> Daddy, daddy, you're this great party a- clown threw me a party out of nowhere. And now I have all these gifts. Right. Um, the threat at the end is equally sadistic because it shows that once the Joker has his eye on you, you kind of become the bugs in the box. You're the bugs in his box. And he's going to keep pulling legs and pulling off wings and keeping you alive so long as it makes him happy. And that's why I'm giving this story five out of five ads. No, I'm with you on that. Straight up with you on that. Five out of five vats. Five out of five vats. All right. Now we're going to get into the last two stories. I think it's no, three stories, right? Yeah, the last three stories. Uh, yeah, it's last three stories. Uh, we have No Heroes, written by Eduardo Med... Uh, Eduardo Medirios? Medirios. And Raphael Abercrombie with art by Raphael Abercrombie. So I couldn't find much on this duo, other than the I, other than the fact that they're the creative force behind this comic called Funny Creek, which is a comicsology original. Um, they're both Brazilian, um, and the one of the main characters in Funny Creek is wearing the exact masks that they're wearing in this stickup. So that's the, that's the connective tissue I had there. Um, Albuquerque has also provided art for Batman and the Rebirth era of DC of Detective Comics. So, um, using non-linear storytelling, No Heroes follows a bank worker uh, named Ronald who chooses to take a stand and fight back when a group of masked men rob a bank. He manages to grab a fire extinguisher and kill one of the men before the others tie him up and bring him to their boss. Instead of executing him where he stands, the ringleader asks Ronald why he chose to be a hero for the bank, for a bank that is not only insured, but for a company whose chairman wouldn't even care if he lived or died. Ronald Ronald answers meekly and says he did it to save the people. This delights the ringleader, who unmasks to reveal that it's Joker. Joker tells Ronald that he has a soft spot for heroes before killing his own men. As he turns to walk away, and the bodies of his henchmen scrawled up, with the bodies of his henchmen scrawled across the floor, he asks Ronald to make the most out of the second chance Joker is giving him before telling him he'll check back on him. Uh, check back up on him one of these days. Yeah, this is now um, from, I would say, uh, the last smile to the two fell on the hornet's nest. Now we're really getting into the tail end of, this is all going to be five out of five. That's massive. I I can't. Oh, you're overflowing. This one, this one is the one. This one was just like eh for me. I don't know why. Really, it was eh. I I I gave it three. You know, so it it beats the. It's over the curve. It passes, if you will. It has a C. Um, but I I don't know. I guess taking it from the because I guess the end the stinger on this is the same stinger on the last the last story. No. I'm going to leave you alive and now you have to wait. Now you have to deal with the fact that I know that you're alive and who knows when but I'm going to come back to finish also, the job. But this would also be on like the tail end of the the first story with where you just see the actual repercussions of Joker's storm. Like a lot of these stories are how the Joker, the impression the Joker leaves on you. 
I wish I wish he would have spoke more about the about the martyrdom. I wish he would have spoke more about what it is about heroes that that you know that he that really you know uh, rocks his boat. The people saying that people, I think, people still I think say it's that the fact that I I think it's it's your it's um with you it's how it is it's easier to walk down the stairs than it is to walk up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. He, to him, he doesn't understand why people continue to walk up the stairs when they know that the, that the stairs are cracked and it's broken and you're going to fall, you're going to roll your ankle. Like he doesn't understand heroism when he sees the world for what it is. It's the reverse Rorschach for me. Rorschach was once I see the world for what it is, I can't turn my back of being bad. I can't be bad. I have to be good in a world like this, but I also have to keep a certain code with Joker. It's like, well, I'm going to see how far your code can go. Do That's you think been- do you think uh Joker has admiration or sympathy for Ronald? I think it's it's a admiration type thing. Yeah. Cuz what it is to me is this is just it it's like like reminding him of Batman in a sense. It's, Without it cuz and this is this is like we don't have a story with Batman here. Right. We don't really this have this is Batman him here. this is him in the even with the threat of death. Even and I think it's more also that Joker knows that he's Joker. Does that make any sense? No, the Joker knows who he is. So oh, the wow. Joker knows, like, who the hell does he... If, if this man knew, you know, who he's standing up to and what the result of that could be, I don't think he would have done it. I think that's what Joker thinks. But because this man did take that chance, I am going to leave him alone. I am going to let him think that that was the right thing to do and see how far this goes. And I'll just be checking up, checking up on and then him. He just- like unloads an empty revolver into his face because that's what I'm getting from the blam blam blam. It's just no. Like, he shot his he shot his his own men. Oh yeah. He killed all his own men and then left. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He just was like, yep. Ah. He shot his own men and was like, all right. So I'll see I'll see you again. You know. He kind of looks like what's his face. Um, I'm telling you. I don't know if you're if you're reading that on a. If you're reading it physically or not, but if you Google Funny Creek, uh, the you'll see the mask that he's wearing there. Which... Oh no! I like remember you. You well, what was this? You got me. This is a birthday gift. I'm not too. Yes. I'm not, yeah. So like I'm like it's in my hand and I'm literally like flipping through the pages. Like right. I gotta bring this again. I gotta start like actually having physical things in front of me. So it's it makes it so much easier than having to scroll on my phone. Oh yeah. It's yep. All little screen and try and. Read what I'm saying. We're random, we're random hentai ads showing up. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that. It happens. It happens. Hey, people, don't look at me. This is I'm just this is some commentary on the industry. What are you What are you doing for No Heroes? Five out of five. No Heroes, definitely. Uh, you know what? Remember, I remember think... when you put five out of five, the company that it's in. See, I the, see. I want to. I feel like I should explain most of it. Really, it's getting three out of five for me with artistry alone. Okay. Art, this this art here is probably my favorite until we get to the end. That last story is my favorite illustration. But this, this was perfect. He's got like, it reminded me of the Hazel and Cha-Cha mask. Like, it's so right. awesome. And, the way I look. The main reason why I put down the art, I mean, other than the fact that I want to pay them respects, the main reason why I went into deep dives about these artists and writers is that I found in particular to the artists, they're not all American. There's very few Americans actually in this. 
And so, like, the idea that these, these are international artists all trying to give us their best depiction of this uh, character just shows you how far-reaching Joker is. Oh, it was. it's definitely... It's like when we were watching DC Fandom and we were literally seeing uh, dubbed Batmans from all over the world. How right. the... Oh, Italian men do Batman, Muslim men do Batman, Chinese men do Batman. Like I forgot about that. I also recently found out that Jackie Chan sung for Mulan in China. Yeah, he he sung uh, Shang Lung's being, Make a Man Out of You. Yeah, so there's that as well. There goes No Heroes. No Heroes is definitely... No Heroes gets three out of five for me, but I'm giving it one extra for the character of Ronald. Four, four out of five. Ronald, look at that. Six, you over here five. tipping scales, Ronald. Ronald tipped the scales because if it wasn't for specifically that character and the way that they wrote him, it would have been a three out of five for me. But it's still a real. It doesn't matter what my vat of acid score is. These stories are really amazing, and you people should read them. Yeah. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Um, let me see here. Next is penance. Yeah, next is penance. So we Good have. That's the one with the uh, with the priests. Good old penance. So, and this is another Tony S. Daniel. Yeah. So, let me give you a little background on Mr. Daniel. Um, this is oh, this is written and with art by Tony S. Daniel. Both he did both of them for this story. So, Daniel worked on various titles with Image Comics, including his own creation, The Tenth. He also worked on titles for Marvel Comics. He gained status at DC Comics with his run on Teen Titans with writer Jeff Johns, your boy. Uh, and Daniel uh, began his work for the main Batman title with writer Grant Morrison, beginning his run with the issue seven, uh, sorry, 670. This issue began the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul crossover. He and Morrison co- collaborated on the Batman R.I.P. storyline during that time. After R.I.P., Daniel wrote and illustrated Battle for the Cow. An incredible, that's an incredibly uh, important story in Batman's mythos where he's gone and people are fighting over who's going to be the next Batman. Um, and then in 2009, after Judd Winnick and Mark Bagley's four-issue run on Batman, Tony Daniel took over for a six-issue arc handling both writing and art duties. Daniel worked with Grant Morrison again on issues 701 and 702, and he returned as a writer and artist, starting with issue 704 in November 2010. Shortly after, Daniel was announced as writer and artist for the relaunched Detective Comics, which was dubbed DC's flagship series, because that's what DC stands for, in case people don't know. So when you say DC Comics, you're effectively saying Detective Comics Comics. Yeah, that's like when people say ATM machine. Yep. The M in the ATM is machine. It's for machine. Uh-huh. Automated teller machine machine? Yes. <laughs> um, so let's get into penance. At St. Michael's Church, my boss, Mr. Brasio, has his bodyguard watch the entrance and whistle if he sees anything unusual as he goes in for a confession. Once in the confessional, Brasio explains what got him so vexed. He tells the priest that after seeing a man in a clown mask rob a bank nearby, they they followed the man, hoping to rob him. One of Brasio's goons shot him, and it turns out all the masked man had on him was a golden medallion. Not knowing this was one of Joker's men, they dumped the body in the harbor. In response, Joker began killing Brasio's men one by one until only him and his brother were left. 
No other crime family agrees to protect the Bracios because if they're gone, so are their debts. Instead, the two stay in a safe house with no one allowed in or out, in fear Joker will get to them. Bracio then starts to have nightmares that he's Batman, being killed over and over by the Joker. The mob boss is convinced that the Joker is after the Golden Medallion, so he asks the priest to pardon him because his plan is to meet with the Joker, exchange the coin for his freedom, and then shoot the clown in the face. When this confession isn't met with a response, Brasio asks the priest if he's alright and is suddenly slashed across the throat with a straight razor left to bleed out. Joker walks past the medallion, sticks the whistle in Brasio's bodyguard's mouth before walking away cackling in glee. What do you think of this story, Dan? This was a this was a really well structured story, but it it kind of fell short for what I was hoping from how the basically from everything up to this story. It was this was like not a letdown, but more of a what's the word I'm looking for? Not as good. Okay. Like it wasn't a let. I wasn't let down. It was actually pretty awesome. The fact that the Joker was actually the priest the whole time, and he was wearing his face. Wearing a man's or face. Or was he wearing a mask? Like this one of those two. It was one of those two. I, I assumed that, that he was wearing a that he was wearing a mask. Yeah. That he didn't yeah. actually wasn't actually wearing a priest's face. That he was just as a priest priest and wearing his mask or wearing yeah. a mask. So I did like that whole reveal. The whole ending was pretty cool, but it just I don't know. There was some. I guess it felt like it was missing. Maybe it needed like longer. It it could have been a, li- a little longer. I don't. I don't think I liked it as much the sec the first time I read it after doing the after doing the uh, notes for this. I ended up liking it a lot more. But how many bats are you gonna give it? I'm gonna have to give this one a three point five. Once again, the artistry—it's most of the most of the tipping of the scales today is because the art is just yeah, I can't believe beautiful. It's be- there is no denying that whoever was doing these arts for each story was putting their entire passion into it, their yeah. entire soul. I agree. Um, I think this story is a bit of a horror story on three different fronts. Right. The first being that Brasio is basically telling his worst fears to the literal boogeyman, showing that there's nowhere there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to run. <laughs> so I think that that is horrifying. Uh, the second horrifying thing is the reoccurring death in his dreams at the hands of the Joker, which made me think of Nightmare on Elm Street, where the protagonists are not even safe in their dreams. Um, it's kind of funny that the, the, bat, the way he looked in the bat suit was like. Like Dark Knight returns it. Yeah, old and <laughs> and he keeps saying like he's like I, I keep getting better. I'm keep getting faster. Oh, he just kills me. And I'm like, man, they reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, just you don't even want to go to bed because you're gonna see him in your dreams and he's gonna kill you again. Um, and, and it was kind of fucked up that he said like his his mob is a mob boss family went from ten down to two and now there's zero. Yeah, the Joker literally wiped out an entire low level mob boss family. Yeah. And that, and that's where the third bit of horror comes. And the third bit of horror isn't stated. It's drawn. Because we see the medallion that Brasio believed to be the crux of this whole vendetta left behind by the Joker. Joker never gave a damn about it. And it was never going to help Brasio escape whatever Joker vendetta Joker had. All this about the coin. He slashes his throat and leaves the coin on the floor. It had nothing to do with the coin. So the Joker never have anything to do with that. So that 
it's why I give it four out of five vats. I think that um, I think that that I, I like the boogeyman thing. Like I said, I've said it before. I like the idea that he you're, you're talking about him. You're talking about him to him. Um, it's 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 yeah. I like Spooky Joker. So yeah, that's why I'm going with that. Um, and then here comes one of my favorite writers. I figured an artist, right? Because oh this, hell yeah, Brian Azzarelli, uh, Az- Azzarello, uh, Brian Azzarello, the writer, and the art is by Lee Bermejo, and this is the duo behind the dark, the DC Dark Label stories, Joker and Batman Damned, and I believe we covered both of those. We we have covered almost every else world that we could with when it came down to Batman and Joker. We covered White Knight, we covered Damned, we covered Joker. Yeah, and those two, the art covers over into this, you know. Um, I like to credit this team with bringing the Ledger Joker aesthetics to the, into comics because this, I think Joker ends up being written in October of 2008 and Dark Knight comes out in what, the summer of 2008, no? Uh, yeah, it, 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 it was like hit theaters like July. Yeah, so three months <laughs> later you have a Joker that looks, if you, if you love uh, Ledger's Joker, you have one now in the comics. I thought that was so cool. Um... And yeah, they they were able to capitalize on all that. So my synopsis is kind of my reaction because I don't think this is meant to be uh, summarized. <laughs> no, not does that at all. make sense? It makes perfect sense. Uh, it it kind of doesn't make any sense to try to summarize this because I feel like nothing in it makes sense, and that's what yeah. So. While others provided commentary on Joker in Batman's universe, I feel like Azarello chooses to provide meta-commentary about the Clown Prince of Crime in the world. Like, the the rest of the world. And kind of provide meta-commentary on comics. And so, you see them poking fun at the Batman damned Batpole thing. You know, the whole Bruce Wayne swinging... You know, his Wayne Manor all over all over the place. Uh, you see that where they say, "Where do I think Batman's in his bed covering his junk? He has no pants on." Um, and I feel like there's a lot of jokes about like, "Oh, is it darker now?" Well, look who's writing it. You know, they they tell jokes about like, uh, "This doesn't even make any sense." And it's because they're they're literally doing whatever. And I feel like the most coherent part of the story is when Joker goes for the electric shock therapy. And he tells the nurse that he doesn't belong there. Uh, oh no, the nurse tells him he doesn't belong there. She tells him instead he belongs on PJs and on lunchboxes because he's a brand. Yeah. And so my, my takeaway from this story is I that... Love you. My, my takeaway from this story is that Joker... The Joker character and his brand of chaos and anarchy have become kind of corporate <laughs> in this capitalist society, right? Like, even though he's a mass murderer, we found a way to sell him to people. We still found a way to make a quick buck off of him. Uh, so even all those that think that they're rebelling against the nature by being fans of Joker are just in the same stream of everybody else, fans of but other people. Where this, where, what the ins- 
you understand this this issue, right? Uh, not issue. Uh, this story. Do you understand what they took literally yes. from? Yes, but One I've never seen the film, so I was hoping I was hoping that you knew more more for it. I was gonna okay. watch it in preparation for this, but then I found out that it has to do with statutory rape, and I was like, I can hold off until. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! No, wait, hold on. No, it doesn't. That's what no, the main guy is getting arrested for. That's what Nicholson is in jail for. He's in jail for statutory rape. I don't remember. That. I could no, hold on. If I remember correctly, he was in jail because he beat the crap out of his boss and then pled insanity so he didn't have to go through a, a prison release program. The statutory rape. I've seen that movie a hundred times, and I would tell you. In Oregon, in the fall of 1963, uh, malfactor Randall Patrick McMurphy is transferred to a mental institution after serving a few months on a prison farm on charges of assault and statutory rape of a 15-year-old girl. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) So I was like, I'll get get it. I'll watch it. Just I'm I'm in a mood right now, and the mood I'm in is not going to be one where the protagonist has raped a 15 year old girl. I'm not doing that right now. Is none. There is none of that. In fact, the only statutory rape that's technically in this movie was a a grown woman to a young 17 year old Brad Dorif who voiced Chucky in the Child's Play movies. That's really the only person that was technically statutory raped was Brad Dorif. Right. The movie starts and Jack Nicholson is already being transferred into the nursing uh, nursing home, the, into the mental home. Right. So the whole movie is just a man trying to re- trying to rebel against conformity, trying to go against the grade of society, while society keeps throwing these adversarial blockades in front of him. Like, and that's why I'm reading. I was reading. I'm like, yo, this is really like one floor of the cuckoo's nest, even down to the goddamn ending. So what? What then can you? give me from that what what can you take from the movie your experience watching the movie and the themes of the movie and apply to this comic to make me understand a little bit more what's going on all right so this is basically um joker being repurposed as more than just like they're taking the image of joker and turning it into a martyr for capitalism like yes you kill yes you're a monster yes you're evil but we can brand you, we can sell your clothes, sell your likenesses, and you can still do what you do with Batman. Okay. But then again, does they have him lobotomized. It's so weird. They have him lobotomized, but they also have him escaping. They're doing they wanted their cake and they ate it too. This was my only real issue was the ending of this book where it's Batman uh, it's Batman laying down on the bed and he's like catatonic catatonic and Joker's the one that's trying to like nudge him to be back to his old normal ways and notices that he'll never be that way. So he picks up and I swear to God, if this is not an Oscar, if that's not, an, I know it's a Superman statue or a Superboy statue, but that guy, I didn't think of it being an Oscar, but it actually makes a lot of sense that Batman wouldn't be able to pick it up, but Joker would because two Jokers now have Oscars, right? Pa- wow, that yeah, I I'm, I'm I I don't know I don't know if that's the outright what it is, but you ask me, that's canon now. That's what exactly what it is. It's an Oscar. No, nope. and it's a commentary no, that's, that's, about how Batman can't ever get one. <laughs> the yeah. actor that plays Batman can never out of lift Arkham, it. You see Batman still in the shadows. You don't even see his face anymore. He's just a silhouette of his figure. So really, this was whole just a love letter. This last story was really a love letter to how Joker ended up finishing the race of popularity when it came down to him versus Batman. And no matter how many times it's 
Batman versus Joker and Batman wins, Joker still wins to us in real life. Yes. Joker has two Oscars. Joker has an Emmy, not an Emmy, a Golden Globe for the best script. Yeah, like, you know, they like it's like you were talking about before, you know, when she has when he has that um when she tells him like you're a brand, uh how does that make you feel? He says neutered. And it's like this capitalist society rather neuter artists for the sake of a quick buck and to keep the status quo. Which I think is what like I I feel like the story plays around with a lot of dark imagery, but also slapstick comedy. And so it's like this weird, almost like corporate, like Justice League, like Justice League. Remember Justice League? That's what it felt like to me. It felt like if they, it felt like, uh, Azarello and Bermejo did their best to do their kind of story. And then they were told that they had to add a bunch of stuff, a bunch of like Batman 66 jokes or, you know, like just random, random things. Um, but you're right. I do think that while other stories are giving a commentary about like Joker in like what is what does Joker mean to the GCPD? What does Joker mean to kids in college? What does Joker mean to Batman, etc. or Harley Quinn? This is like what Joker means to comic writers and comic artists that have to tackle this or take on it when they're assigned it. And it is this idea that um, no matter you're going to feel like you're going crazy because no matter what you do, it's all going to turn back around to be the same Joker that we all know, which is the one that sticks around forever. And, you know, hunky dory and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I thought it was actually pretty smart and I felt incredibly dumb reading it. I had to read it several <laughs> times. Um, I, and like I said, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest is one of those things like many other films where I know it based on the pop culture references and the memes, stuff like the, uh, the native American man throwing the, uh, thing out the window or Frank. Oh my God. When Frank Reynolds was in the, but they do it in the Simpsons as well. In Simpsons, it happens. Uh, it happens in a couple of places. Oh, Barney actually. and Homer. Yeah. Doesn't it happen in, I feel like it happens in Futurama as well. Like it, this, this thing, it's a, it's a joke. And I know about nurse ratchet. Who's also getting her own show soon? She's getting her own show with Sarah Paulson. Man, yeah, I, I like Sarah know Paulson. I am with the reboots and the remakes. I hate it, but sa- exactly. Sarah Paulson as one of the most, literally, Nurse Ratchet was ranked the number one greatest movie villain at that time, at, up until the point of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. She was legit, like, the most popularized villain in movies. You also have a, a society that is completely that is really particular about mental health and the idea that you would be trapped in this cycle where you're supposed to be getting helped and your help provider is, is sadistic, right? It's like, that is hell, isn't it? Isn't that yeah, like <laughs> a lot of ways to look at it in a nuanced way that nurse ratchet was wrong. But then again, I've watched that movie like seven times and I don't know, man, I think she was kind of right in some ways. It was just a way you shouldn't be so confrontational right. towards the people with mental health. But you know these all the, the see the thing about the but movie he was, was a rapist Dan <laughs> he was a rapist he was a rapist but I just want you to come back around you to have is that all the people in one full of their cuckoo's nest except for Jack Nicholson the entire cast except for Nicholson volunteered themselves into that place right no one's there because they actually have to be there they're there because they feel like they they want to be there and get better so you really shouldn't be so confrontational with people that are genuinely trying to get help for themselves yeah and i think just just not feeling right mentally is is hell 
Oh, it's one hundred percent. And the idea that you would be stuck in a place where they don't necessarily care about treating you more so they care about maintaining um, you. maintaining you, right? One hundred percent. And maybe that's also a commentary on Joker. No one ever wants to fix the guy. He's well more entertaining being a murderer and killing everybody all the time. But that was that is sticking to status quo. Yeah. You know, is it more fearless to just kill him, which I think is what they did in Joker, no? Oh no, damned? Damned, no, I think it was one of those. I think he's he comes back at the end of that. I can't even remember. <laughs> what the, I do but but no, as a matter of fact, they're doing it to us again because when we read damned, remember we were like, What is this exactly saying? Yeah, I what think... was damned exactly saying <laughs> we about like, the Joker? We were like, wait a minute, is this Batman's ghost? Is he dead? What's going on here? So yeah, they're just doing it again. And I think uh when they show like Poison Ivy and the rest of them, um uh like talking about oh it's uh, it's darker than I remember or it's bigger I think it's it, it is that the idea that um certain artists take liberties with places like one minute Arkham Asylum is squeaky clean, the next minute it's an old Victorian house, the next minute, you know? Uh yeah. and it, it, it changes from there. And I and I kindly found it funny, the stoop all the stupid stuff, the whole nobody can lift that. Well, I guess he ain't nobody. I thought that was kind of funny, like the the verbiage of it. Um, when he randomly punches Mister Fre- I mean Two Face in the face, I'm just having a conversation with Two Face randomly punches him in the face. Batman just pulls a thumb oh, out with a fire hose. No, but what happens with there's that part where like Batman is like look at my thumb or something like that. And then Joker looks at it and gets upset. Am I making that up? Is that somewhere in there? I have let me It's after it's after the hose. After he after he squirts him with the hose and all that kind of stuff, there's a scene and the colors go kind of weird where Joker and Batman are literally like having a staring contest. Oh no, that's right. And he's like poking him out, like. And then he just sticks up his thumb. He's like, "See my thumb." And then Joker flips out. So again, maybe something incredibly smart happening there, but I just found it funny. I'm like, I don't understand what half of this stuff means. What do you mean, "See my thumb"? Why do you get so upset? I really, really, really was trying to figure out what that Superman thing was, but you're right. It could. It must be an Oscar. I couldn't. I couldn't for the life of me figure that one out I, I, honestly i can't see it in any other way but being an oscar yeah and i'll be damned if azarello explains it to us anytime soon <laughs> yeah is, is, he getting, gonna, he is, is this getting a five for you oh this is definitely getting a five based on illustration alone it's good stuff. oh the, the artistry in this alone was so saturated in yellows and reds like it was great yeah, I, I and it's the same art from Damned. It's the same art from um, Joker, and I really, I really like it. It's it's stylized. The shadows are darker. The lines on the face are pronounced. But I think this the story is commentating on how weird uh, Azarello and Bermejo's world or Joker fits with the rest. If you really of, want to look at it, you can look at all ten stories as each individual that that um experiences the joker from his actual in-universe victims to uh in-universe uh love interests to yeah. now the kids that love them it's, it's, it's his effect and that's why i'm saying like for the most part um 
a lot of these stories are usually told from the perspective. Like all the Robin stories were told from the perspective of the Robins. Um, but in this, we only have one from the, his perspective. And I think, and I, I stated this recently and I, it, it's been a long day. I can't remember what I was talking about in reference to, but it's this idea that Joker in Dark Knight is scarier because you don't really see him plan his stuff. Yeah, there that, is no planning. That's the difference between him and the 66 uh, Batman where you're like, oh, and now we're going to go and we're going to poison the water supply. And you know the whole deal. In in Dark Knight, you choke on the water first. And you're like, oh my God, he must have poisoned the water supply. You know, it's... it's it was literally like, a damn scene. That's how Commissioner Loeb dies. Right, right. And so, I, yeah, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. I'm going to give it four out of five. But I really liked it. I think if I would have caught onto the Oscar thing, it would have been five out of five. And maybe well, if I would have seen... No, just give it that one extra vet. And I also think that it w- if I saw One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it might have oh, no. given me the five. If you would have seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, it, like, literally, if you would have watched One Flew Over and then like read this because you're just picking it up to read it, you would have loved that last story so much more. Yeah, the homage, I think, is strong there, but I it, it, I don't have a reference for it. Joker, and he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so it's like all these connections. But that's my I guess that's my beef is that if it is – like. I get the reference humor, but it should work without it as well. Yeah, so I'm gonna true. give it, I'm gonna give it four out of five, which is still yeah, higher exactly. than uh, half of the ones on this list. But um, yeah, man, this was this was fun. It was fun to to dive into the deep and nihilistic and murderous and you know things that I'm generally not. Um, it was it was fun to vacation in that. Uh, we got DC Fandom. Come, we got the huh? Sometimes you just got to do the Jeremy Blair me and just Jeremy Blair me, baby, or every day on Tuesday. That's it. Um, I don't know what we're tackling next. We got DC Fan Dome. I think we're gonna wait to see if anything, if any major news drops for that. Uh, until we know what we're gonna do, which means by Sunday, I will know if I have to read or watch something really fast. <laughs> Or if we're going to tackle the news that dropped from there. And then after that is Batman Week, I believe. Batman, Batman Day. Batman Day. <laughs> I think it's on the 19th. So we'll be covering something uh, Batman exclusive for that. We're staying DC for a little while before we head back over to Marvel. Um, but, yeah. What would you think of the whole thing as a whole? The whole celebration of Joker? Uh, I was very, like, I didn't want it at all. But now that I have it, I'm kind of glad that I went through it. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. I um, I dig it as well. I, I like the variation in the stories. I may not have loved them all, but I think the variation is what makes this strong. Because the ones I didn't love, somebody else would love. And vice versa, the ones I loved, somebody else wouldn't really care too much for. Um, yeah, this was, this was great stuff by the Joker. And I think eventually we'll do like an, uh, a media Joker episode. You know, like a Mark Hamill, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Jared Leto, and Jack Nicholson Joker episode. Um, I think there's so much out there. Yeah, there's so much out there on screen for him. Cesar Romero also. That means means because I I know how how much I am. I'm going to have to sit through Brave and the Bold and the Batman for you. (laughs) Well, I see. I like actually like Brave and the Bold. No, Brave and the Bold is actually not bad. I'll admit. Brave and the Bold, not bad. It's the Batman with the dreadlocks, 
Joker voiced by Gary Anthony Williams that I can't stand. Yeah. No, yeah. I love Gary Anthony Williams. I love Gary Anthony Williams. I can't that stand That can't be Gary. Joker. Isn't that Keith, whatever his name is? Uh, hold on. Keith Richardson or, or Richard Richardson? What's his name? Richardson. You know his. <laughs> you know it. Uh, I'm going to look at it right now, but it, because I, I swear I could have sworn Gary Anthony Williams was Joker somewhere. Uh, I no, have. Damn it. <laughs> I was close. No, yeah, it's uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. Kevin Michael Richardson. Kevin Michael Richardson. Yeah, ah, that's yeah, yeah. His name. So that's that... who it was. That's who it was. Right. And so, yeah, we'll 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 check out uh, check out all that. Um, I'm gonna probably go right now and watch some episodes of the animated series that really got me jonesing for my Joker. But you all oh, have I've your. Been on my drag- I've been on my Dragon Ball uh, obsession, so like, I just I don't want anything. I I did this because I love comic book click, and comic book click is my heart and my home. But once I'm done with this, I'm going straight back into the Goku world because I've had a bad week. And well, not that. Well, this week just started, but I've had a bad last eight days. Tired from work. Right. People ordering too much food, too oh, much dear. groceries. So, yeah, it's just it's just a lot. And today was just what I just needed. This I needed to. I came home from work. I I didn't get to do anything yet. I haven't even changed it. I just took a uh, used the bathroom and jumped straight on because I I'm, I love it. I love doing this, and I'm yeah. glad that we do this once a week. Once a well. Whenever I'm on, whether it's once a week, once a month, every two months, doesn't matter. I'm just glad we do this. I'm glad we got to cover this. Yeah, and we do this each and every week. And you know there's only one place to find every episode of the Major Issues Podcast. And that's comicbookclick.com. Huh? That's how you find it. That's how you find it. So, it's, it's, as a matter of fact, if you go there, not only would you find every episode of the Major Issues Podcast, which is over 140 episodes, which means over 280 hours of content, but... All of our articles are under major issue, um, the major articles banner on that website as well, as well as all of our merchandise. Our T Public store is available by going to comicbookclick.com. I actually just bought a bunch of CBC masks because if I'm going to be walking around, that's so I'm walking around with some merch. Um, so yeah, you guys can go to comicbookclick.com and it has everything. Uh, that we provide as part of Comic Book Click, and it's also the one stop for. Like I said, every episode of the podcast, but you can comment individual episodes. There's a uh, text box there. Let us know what you think about these subjects, these characters, uh, the episodes that we do. Ask questions, all that stuff. We'll read them live here on air. Um, like, comment, rate, and review. Subscribe. Send it out to your friends. Take the hashtag, take the URL, and send it everywhere. We yes. That. And that's the thing. When push comes to shove... Um, if com if you don't want to go to comicbookclick.com, I- we created comicbookclick.com for the Major Issues Podcast, particularly if you didn't want to um, download a new podcast app. Because yeah, our primary wanna, like, Podbean yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Our primary uh, directory is Podbean. Um, so the com- comicbookclick.com allows for you to just download the MP3 or listen to it directly from the website. But Let's say you have a different podcast app. Let's say you are a big Joe Rogan fan, so you just you make sure that you uh, listen to every episode that you can. Well, you can hear the Major Issues podcast on most podcast apps. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneFind, YouTube. Everywhere podcasts are found, we you can find the Major Issues I, podcast. I did it myself. I literally went to any podcast that I could think of, any website, and we're there. 
Yeah. Any podcast app, type it in. Major Issues Podcast, and we'll pop right up. Um, All we ask, we do this free of charge, and we've done it close to three years now. Uh, I think. Almost three years, bro. Literally in two months, it'll be three years. Yeah. So make sure that you guys, like, like Dan said, Share it with your friends. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. But the biggest thing and the biggest thing you can do to help this podcast is to rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like about the podcast while also evolving the show. Like I said, this show is three years now and running. Uh, it's incredibly rewarding to see the numbers, to talk with my friends about the things I want to talk about, especially the midst of crazy crises as we're dealing with now. Um, so thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for if for all the uh, time that you've given us. And we'll try to do our best with that time by providing you the latest and greatest to come to comic books and comic book media. Remember, you can join the conversation by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. I'm also at Major Issues CBC. Do you remember your Twitter handle this time, Dan? Uh, my Twitter handle, sh- it, it should be Dan comic book, man, CBC, Dan C B man, CBC. No, it should be Dan comic, like fully typed okay, out. Okay. You know, I, the easiest place to reach me, everybody, to be honest with you is Instagram. I, I respond on Instagram. I share on Instagram. That's there where you. I'm posting mostly for comic book stuff. As you see with comic book click, that's mostly where I promote it all. And okay. you can find me at Dan's comics, CBC. Okay. D-A-N-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-C-B-C. Awesome. And, yeah, that that's where you can find us. That's where you can reach us. And don't be a stranger. Because, like I said, again, we're here. We love to talk to each other, but we definitely love to talk to all of you guys about um, all things come to comic books and comic book media. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic man. And this has been our Joker 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular. And remember, whether you're a failed comedian or you know what can happen with just one bad day, whether you have a monster under your bed or just a, car, a dog chasing tires, whether you know what you, what you get when you cross a mentally ill podcaster with a fandom as great as yours, you get this podcast because we are the click. And you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs>